morning, good morning, good morning. My name is Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. The Workers' Worship Conference is going to be phenomenal. It's going to kick off this coming Saturday in, in March, March 2nd. Can you guys believe it's March already? It's crazy. Wow. March 2nd, 8.30 to 2 p.m. This is a great opportunity for anyone that works in the home or outside of the home that wants to experience God in a deeper way where they live, where they work, where they have to be in the office, where they have to maybe do dishes. I hate doing dishes. Where, where they have to worship God in the context of work. Um, this is going to be not only um, a phenomenal conference, but it's going to be a live stream event. A lot of big time speakers will be um, presenting during this half day retreat. It's going to be here on campus at Desert Springs. If you would like to know more information, you can grab one of the cards on the seat back in front of you, fill it out and say, I'm interested in the Workers' Worship Conference. And you can just drop that card off at Direct and Connect, which is right outside these double doors off to the left. There's a possibility that they'll have some flyers there for you as well. March 2nd, 8.30 to 2 p.m. You guys got it? Yeah. Everybody's so quiet. Good morning. <laughs> it's good to see y'all. I got a story. <sighs> Many years ago, actually a couple years ago, I used to work in Old Town Scottsdale. I used to live in Goodyear, Arizona, in the West Valley. Yeah, you, you just felt that, yep, mm -hmm. Which means that I had to drive risking my life on the 10. If you guys don't know what the 10 is, that's this, this stretch of, of death called a freeway where you drive about an hour to get to the other side of the world, it felt like. On this particular morning, it was about 6.30 in the morning, and it was bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. No, this wasn't like regular bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on the 10. This was like LA traffic at 3 p.m. This was ridiculous. I thought that somebody died. I thought that there would be bodies on the ground. I thought there would be cars flipped over. I thought, you know, flashing lights. I was expecting, as long as we were in traffic, I thought something terrible would happen. I got up that, that early because I wanted to get to the office before my boss. My goal was to get to the office before my boss. That was my goal. And this traffic ruined my goal. Bumper to bumper traffic, no movement. Every once in a while we would inch. Every once in a while we would inch a little more. And eventually, 10 years later it felt like, I finally got to the very front. And to my surprise, no fire trucks, no police officers, nobody died, nothing. Nothing had happened except for this little ugly dog was running towards all of us. This little innocent, hideous dog was running towards all of us. And literally, I kid you not, people, human beings, are launching their bodies out of their windows, opening their, door, opening their doors, trying to catch this little dog. That's what stopped the traffic for an hour. Cars had stopped. I didn't jump out. 
I didn't watch my body. I was actually quite angry when I saw little Fido just running down the freeway. And I looked in my rearview mirror, and to my surprise, more people were doing the same thing. And I asked myself, what in the world would possess these people to care, to sacrifice, to make all of us late for work, how we make our money? What would possess these people to launch themselves out of their car to try and fail, to try to rescue a little ugly dog. I'm going to keep saying ugly because it was ugly. And I had to, you know, the preacher I am, I had to think maybe there's something in them that feels like they need to sacrifice and go out of their way at all costs to save, to rescue. Maybe, just maybe, there's something inside of their hearts that is designed or shaped to love, to care, to go beyond themselves and to see value in something that for me was a little unlovable. Why? Here's a question. Why are we talking about this little dog? <laughs> Why am I talking about sacrificial love? Why am I asking this question, what was in these people's minds? Because love stinks. <laughs> love is hard. Love is messy. Love often requires us to be patient and to suffer long. Last week, Pastor John talked about, I want to know what love is. And Pastor John said that love equaled value, meant to value something. Today, we're going to talk about love bites, <laughs> or love stinks, or love is hard, or whatever song you can come up with about seeing love in a challenging way, in a long-suffering way, that's what we're going to talk about today. Question is, here's the question, why? Why in the world is love so difficult? Why is it so hard to love difficult people? Why is it so hard to show love to that coworker who gets on your last nerve? Why is it so hard to be patient and to suffer long with that in-law that gets under, under your skin? You can keep looking straight. It's okay. Why is it so hard to love a kid who gets on your last good nerve? Why is it so hard to love and to care for people who don't always give you reasons to love them? It's a question. Frankly, I don't have all the answers, but I think that we can find, I know we can find something in Scripture 
that gives us perspective. Real love requires everything. It took everything for me to experience sacrificial love. It will require everything of me to give sacrificial love. I'll say it again, and it's right here. Real love requires everything. I don't have all the answers, but this might be part of the answer. Love, real, authentic love requires all of me, according to Scripture. If it took everything for me to experience sacrificial love, it will require everything of me to give sacrificial love. It's kind of like if, if it took everything for my parents to barely raise me, <laughs> to struggle and pull teeth trying to raise me or whoever raised you, it took them everything. Well, the same is true for whoever you're mentoring or whoever looks up to you, whoever you're raising. Maybe it's a little brother. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's an employee. Whoever, whoever you're pouring into, if it took a lot to get you where you are today, why isn't it going to take a lot to help the other get to where they're trying to go in the future? Listen to these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. If you have a cool phone or a tablet, or if you want to grab a Bible from the back, you can do so. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, help me Jesus, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Some contexts will say love never fails. Now this is cute when you're at the altar and, and you have your loved one next to you and, and the, the priest or the pastor or the preacher is saying these beautiful words. But in the context of suffering long, in the context of love bites, in the context of love is hard, this don't sound so pretty, especially if you've ever had to love another human being. Love is hard, which is why out of the gate, the writer, the Apostle Paul, this Jesus-following dude in first century early church Christianity when it wasn't cool to be a Christian, when people were being put in jail and being murdered and, and, and being kicked out and ostracized because they said the name of Jesus and they proclaimed the truth of Jesus Christ, Paul writes to this church in Corinth and he tells them that this beautiful picture is a contrast to what you are currently doing. You aren't loving selflessly. You are loving selfishly. 
You're loving so your name can be in the lights. You're not showing love and you're not caring for people to actually glorify and lift and push up God as the front person. You're doing it so you can feel good and because you're selfish. Paul tells them that love is not about them. It's about something bigger than them. The context of this scripture of this verse of these sentences says that their selfishness produced a look at me lifestyle and not a look at him lifestyle. Real love always points the person being loved to something more powerful and otherworldly. Real, authentic love, if you've ever experienced it, it actually pushes you to something that you can't quite put words to. Why do you think there's so many love songs? Why do you think there's so many romantic comedies? Why do you think there are so many artists and so many musicians and so many painters and so many sculptors and so many people for centuries and centuries trying to encapsulate, trying to summarize this crazy thing called love? Because true love, real love, that is birth, that is planted in the, in, inside of our hearts ever since the beginning, ever since the, ever since the day we were created to look like God. Ever since the beginning, ever since we were created to model and, and created to be in the image and the likeness of God. Ever since that day, I believe, and the scripture bears this out, the Bible teaches this, that we were born, we were made to love. That's a song, but they took it from the Bible, I promise. Took it from the Bible. We were born, we were made to love and to be loved. Now, the big question is, what is all this long-suffering about? What is that word long-suffering? Dude, I don't really use that in my regular language. Long-suffering, super simple. It means to suffer long. I know you guys were looking for something deep. You can Google it. It means to suffer long or to let a long period of time elapse before you lose your temper. To let a long period of time go by before you lose it. Now, I know none of you all lose it in here. You guys are all good people. You're good citizens. But for the rest of us, long-suffering, love is so hard because sometimes I just want to tell somebody how I feel about them, and, and it's all about me, not much about them, but I just got to get it off my chest. Whether I do it quietly and I don't say anything, and I hold it all in for a long, ridiculous time, or I let it all out. Love requires long suffering. Now the question is, how is this possible? Well, there are three ways that the Bible presents to us that it, it is possible to actually suffer long and to suffer well, to endure to stick with it, to deal with it. 
One of the ways we do it is because God loves you. One of the ways you're going to be able to do this is because God genuinely loves you. And this enables you to love you. Number two, God loves you and you can love others. And number three, God loves you and you can love him. Number one, God loves you, so this enables you to love you. John 3.16, this is a, a, a Bible verse that Pastor John mentioned last week. It says, according to how Pastor John taught this last week, using the word value in the place of love, John 3.16 says, for God so valued you, so God saw so much worth in you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. God loves you, sees worth in you, sees value in you so much that he didn't just talk about it. He couldn't help but show it because love more often than not is a verb. God says, I will show you how much I love you, how much you are valuable to me, how worth it you are, that I'll do better than launch half of my body out of a car to catch you. I will send my son to a dirty place called earth to redeem, to rescue, to cancel all of your debt, to bring you in, and to say yes to you when everything and everyone else said no. When God sees you, he loves you so much that he doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see your mistake. He sees value. He sees worth it. Now, I know sometimes when I look in the mirror, I don't see worth it all the time. Sometimes I see regret. Sometimes I see shoulda, woulda, coulda. Sometimes I see if only I did or if only I did not do. But I'm not God. I'm not God. Newsflash, you aren't either. And that's liberating because just because you see yourself that way doesn't mean that that's how he sees you. Now, here's the shift. The more I learn about God, the more I hear the truth of God's word, the more I'm going to see what he sees in me. The more I know who God is, the more I see how God sees. And when I see how God sees and I'm looking in the mirror, I don't see mistake, I see value. I see worth it. Now, this isn't like a, woo, you're healed. This is hard. This takes time. Some long suffering going on. Not only to receive God's love in a real way, but to actually look at myself and say, man, you're worth it. Not in a self-help way, but in a, in spite of Matthew's mistakes, that's my name, Matthew, in, spi in spite of my mess, 
there's something bigger in me that I've connected myself to that says that in spite of me, there's still value. In spite of my mistake, in spite of my mess, even though I did some stuff in early 2000s, even though I did some stuff in the 90s, for some of y'all in the 80s, for some of y'all in the 70s, for some of y'all in the 60s, careful. (laughs) In spite of all that, if the Bible is true, which it is, And if Jesus is who he says he is, that means that he's covered a multitude of mistakes. God loves you. This enables you to love you. Number two, this is big. Not only does God love you, but God loves you and you can love others. The most loving thing we can do for others is love God more than we love them. For if we love God most we will love others best. I wish I wrote that. I'll say it again. The most loving thing we can do for others is love God more than we love them. For if we love God most, we will love others best. The most loving thing we can do for others is to love God way more than we love them. This hits me in the middle of the eyes. I've said this multiple times and I'll say it again. I won't stop saying it. This truth transformed my marriage. I was looking for love in the other person and they weren't meeting it for me. I was putting these massive God-like expectations on another person and the other person was crushed by all of these unrealistic expectations. And when my expectations weren't met, I got what I like to call butthurt. Not only did I get butthurt, but I got heart hurt. Like I felt it in here. Like every time she said no, or I'm not gonna do, I internalized it as if that was my identity. But when there's something greater in you and something greater in front of you than that person, when there's a love that is more intimate and more consistent and more reliable than any other human can ever be, it not only takes the pressure off of them, but it keeps you from getting hurt all the time because they are not the end-all, be-all. There's something greater. We can take it off of a person. When I love the money so much that it controls me and consumes me, when the money's up, I'm up. When the money's down, it's a bad day. When I see red in the stock market, bad day. When I see green, good day. That is a terrible way to live. But when my love is in someone that will never change and never die, that is patient, that is long-suffering, that is kind, it is possible for me to be able to love someone else that may be, in this moment, unlovable. 
The call to love is a call to see someone's value, how God saw their value when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for them. Just like a good parent runs to pick up their toddler when they take a massive fall, it's the same way a good friend or a good spouse or a good brother will run to the aid of someone who has fallen because they don't see the mess in that person. They see the need in that person because they're not seeing that person through human eyes. They're seeing that person through superpower eyes, superpower eyes. How do I get those superpower eyes? There's got to be a superpower in you to see how he sees. We're out of here. <laughs> Finally, not only does God love you, this enables you to love you, not only does God love you and helps you, enables you to love others, but God loves you, which helps you love him. It's two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself. For those who aren't Jesus followers in the room, you can forget about everything else. Just focus on these two. If you want a place to start, this is a good one to start with. Love God, love people. I'm still trying to figure out both of those. And if you're honest, you are too. We're not saying that I have to suffer long with God as if God <clears throat> needs my forgiveness. No. I'm saying that I need to suffer long with God because sometimes things will hit the fan. Situations will get so challenging and overwhelming that I will want to quit. And I might even stop trusting God. I might even stop acting like I really love him. What God says to you and what God says to me, not only should you suffer long in love for others, but I need you to suffer long in love for me. Because this relationship with God will be challenging. I should have had an amen right there. Our relationship with God, man, whoo, sometimes I'm like, Jesus, I wish you could have did things differently. Is, is that only me? <laughs> Jesus, you could have showed up right there. God, you could have been superpower God in this moment. God says to you and he says to me, the same patience and the same suffering long that you get and you expect and you require when you're having a bad morning or a bad day. I don't have bad mornings or bad days, but I got a plan that's bigger than yours and you got to suffer long with me. 
He's like, I, I'm, I'm perfect. I don't make any mistakes, but sometimes you can't see as far down the road as I see, so you got to be patient with me because I'm up to something. That's it. Last slide is pretty simple. Might be something that you might have heard before. Real love requires not some things, everything. If it took everything for me to experience sacrificial love, as Jesus is hanging on a cross with nails in his hands and nails in his feet, with people gambling at, at the ground where he's being crucified, where people are spitting on him and disrespecting him and saying, you're the king of the Jews. You walked around healing people. Where's your power now? If he was able to be wounded, to be beat up, to be abused and give it all, it will require everything of me to give sacrificially. Here's the good news. You don't have to get on the cross and you don't have to be beat up. He's already done it. But it is challenging to hold back when you really want to say something. It is painful to humble yourself when everything in you is like, you know what? And that's why the scripture says love is patient. It suffers long. It ain't going to feel good. Ain't going to be daisies and roses all the time. But the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing is, we get to experience him through it all. Join me as we pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and being patient with me, even when I am unlovable, even when I feel like I'm not worth it, even when I feel like there's no value here. Thank you, God, for giving me the ability and I pray for every single person here that they can look for, it won't take too long, they can look for areas in their life, even now, that you're calling them to embrace this idea of long-suffering, of enduring sacrificial love. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.